I'm going to read to you from Psalm 126. Uh, while you look that up, Psalm 126, just while you're finding that, I just want to welcome our new people today. Welcome new in the room. Welcome new online. Um, if it's your first time, maybe you've been coming a couple of times and you haven't connected yet after the service, please go get your free gift out there in the lobby. Uh, maybe you were new last week and you much preferred uh, the guy who preached then. Well, I, 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 I apologize, but I'm the lead pastor. I preach most of the time. Uh, so if you came back because you loved him, well, we'll see what happens today. <laughs> so you got me today. So anyway, Psalm 126. Y'all ready for it? Actually, before I do that, I got one more thing to say to you. Don't forget to yell at me today. It's cold out there, but you're alive. Hands up if you're alive. Oh, hello. Look at you all, alive people in the room today. Hands up if you're alive online. <clears throat> yeah, I see you. Come on. There we go. And um, I saw a post online. I thought it was funny. Um, we're not the church that plays the, the race card and things like that. Um, but I saw a thing online. A friend of mine was talking. It was funny. He was talking about how um, he, he's got a church very similar to ours in Arizona. Um, very, uh, you know, evangelical church. Um, believes the, the truth. Um, really solid. About, but they're like us. They're a holler back church. They yell at the preacher. Uh, they, 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 their feet are allowed to move in the worship. You know what I mean? Their hands and they're in surrender to God, a passionate church, a, a yell at the preacher, amen, come on, that's good kind of church, right? And, uh, and he, there was a black lady that came to the church and she grew up in black churches and she was always like, um, she was like, man, I just love the responsive nature, like a lot of black churches, a bit more energetic, you know, and she said that um, she thought that, uh, that, 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 you know, the white church, you know, the 1935 Methodist church, you know, and they'd stand there like this, you know, you know, and then never move and you get, don't you embarrass your daddy by moving those feet you know what I mean and uh, she always thought that was the, the the so-called right way to worship but in actual fact that was just the 1934 white way to worship and uh, we don't do that because we are not a 1934 Methodist church can I get an amen this is a holler back yell at the preacher get involved God's actually been good so we act like he's good amen God's done good things in our lives, so we're grateful to God, and we're, we're amening in the, in the house of God, and we're hollering at God, amen, and, and we want that in our lives, amen, and so, uh, so let's make sure you do that for me today, particularly as it's my first sermon of 2022, so we had Reggie, and then Robbie, and now you got me, so Psalm 126, I'm finally going to get to it, it says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream? <clears throat> you ever had something just go so well in your life that you think to yourself, man, I better pinch myself. You know, uh, I'm waiting for the pennies to drop. When am I going to wake up? When, when's it all going to... You ever had that before? Like it's, when's this going to... When's reality going to kick in? That's what they're saying. They're saying, man, when God restored the fortunes of Zion, we felt like we were in a dream waiting for the pennies to drop. We were pinching ourselves. It felt like a dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Someone say, shouts of joy. joy. See, they were holler back people then too. Come on. Our tongue was filled with shouts of joy. And they said among the nations... The Lord has done great things for them because the Lord had done great things for us and we are 
glad. What a good word, amen. Today I want to talk to you about what people see when they see you. I want to talk to you about what people say when they hear about you. So God bless you. You're ready to pray. Wifey, can you take my Bible? Thank you. There we go. What do people see when they see you? What do people say when they talk about you? Let's pray. Everyone pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I ask for your help to preach it. God, we want to see lives transformed by your word today. We didn't just come here to have a laugh or to have a good time, although we know we will laugh and we will have a good time. But God, more than anything, we came here today because we want our lives to better line up with your word. And I ask for your help to make that happen in all of our lives today. And God, I thank you for this food I'm about to receive. Bless it to my body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Some of y'all are like, did he just say food he's about to receive? Yes, I did. I'm having a meal. I did not just get confused and think I was saying grace in the middle of my opening prayer. I'm going to have a meal for y'all today. Would you high five your neighbor and say, get ready, 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 get ready. All right. Let me tell you about my dad's pet peeve growing up, all right? Growing up, my dad's pet peeve, the thing that my dad hated the most in all the world was when people didn't eat their food properly. What do I mean by didn't eat their food properly? I mean, my dad hated it when people ate their food like Americans. Come on, come on. He didn't like it at all. See, our kids, like in in our family, we did a lot of dumb things, all right? Like, we were some pretty naughty kids. The Newman kids were naughty kids, all right? Can anyone picture that? The Newman kids were naughty kids, right? Hands up if you can picture that. You're like, that's not much of a stretch, you know? Been coming to this church for a little while. You're like, yeah, I can picture that. That guy was probably the naughtiest of them all, right? Absolutely. We were naughty kids. Picture Home Alone, the Home Alone kid, but no bad guys. We're just like that every day, right? That, that was the Newman kids, right? Instead of shooting at bad guys, sticking their head through the little doggy gate, the Newman kids, we're shooting, uh, we're shooting our BB guns at cans that are on the back of Dad's truck. And when they miss, they hit Dad's truck. And then we realize, well, Dad's truck's got a canopy and it's got some plexiglass on it. And what happens if we shoot at that? So we figure it out. Because what's the point of having a question and not scientifically figuring out a way to answer the question? And so really, we were just young kids in search of knowledge. And so we wanted to know what would happen when you shoot a BB gun at plexiglass. It's not glass, it's plexiglass. Glass shatters. What's plexiglass do? We need to know. So we found out. It also breaks. (laughs) Not the same as glass, but it breaks. It gets holes in it and cracks in it. And so we were some pretty naughty kids. I would actually pull everything apart. If I saw anything that had screws and I had a screwdriver, I was going to pull it apart and figure out how it works. No, I almost never was able to figure out how to put it back together. That was dad's job. But I always pulled everything apart. I pulled bikes apart. I pulled lawnmowers apart. All the, I, I would go to garage sales and buy old lawnmowers, pull them apart, leave them scattered around the garage with grease and oil everywhere, all over dad's tools and never put anything back, right? I wasn't that great of a kid. I used to grab, not just me, my whole family, all the boys anyway, we would grab um, petrol. You know what petrol is? 
Yeah, y'all call it gasoline. You're wrong. It's called petrol. Comes from petroleum. It's an English word. What language do y'all speak here? English. That's right. And so petrol. <clears throat> so I'd get some petrol and I'd put it in some kind of metal container. And then what we would do is we'd also add to that metal container a bunch of uh, polystyrene foam. I don't know if you've ever done that. Hands up if you've done that, right? You add some polystyrene foam to some petrol and you got some homemade napalm right there, right? Fantastic. We did that all the time. Then we'd take our home made napalm, set it on fire, wear some leather gloves and throw it at stuff and just see what happened, all right? Those are the sorts of kids that we were. We would just throw napalm at things. We'd throw napalm in the lake across the street, homemade napalm. Uh, I hope that the Department of Homeland Security is not really like reading too much into this, all right? It's in the past, it's not in the present. And so, but we would throw it in the lake and it would stay on fire, floating on the lake. We're like, this is amazing. We'd throw it at trees and see if it would set the tree on fire. We, we'd see cats go by. We're like, I wonder if cats really do have nine lives. So we'd throw our napalm at the cats and see if they have... I'm just kidding. Relax. We knew they didn't have nine lives. And so... <laughs> we knew that. We're not that stupid. But what's crazy funny is after all of that, after all the stupid things that we would do, after riding motorcycles off jumps into lakes just to see what would happen, after all of this kind of stuff, I don't remember being yelled at more for anything in my life than I got yelled at for not eating my food properly. <clears throat> Like, we did a lot of dumb things growing up, but the thing I got in trouble for the most by my dad was not having proper table etiquette. My whole life, I was taught how to eat properly. Everywhere we went from the most redneck family, that was my family, <clears throat> to the most well-to-do family, which was Auntie Gail and Uncle Ben's family, Everywhere we went, everybody knew how to eat properly. And then, having grown up like that, I went and moved to this country, the wild, wild west, these United States of America, which I'm not just picking on you. This country is, in my opinion, the very best country on planet Earth. I love it. And I've lived in other countries. This is the greatest place, especially having got through the pandemic. I'm like, all right, thank the Lord I don't live in the People's Communist Republic of Australia. Thank the Lord, right? I love the United States. It's great. They're great at everything except one thing. It's just one thing y'all are really bad at. This wonderful purveyor of freedom the world over, this amazing force for good, the world's most inventive and extraordinary country, I had to move to the one place in the world that has no table manners at all. None. Zero. Squat. I'm like, now y'all don't know what I'm talking about yet, y'all. Like, I think we're pretty fancy, actually. Yeah, that's because you're comparing yourselves to cannibals. Listen. Listen. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I first moved here. Let, let, me, let me explain it to you. After throwing homemade napalm at trees across the street and getting away with it because, well, boys will be boys. If I should sit down at the dinner table and hold my fork in my right hand, that's all I did wrong. My dad would lean across the table and right on the back of the wrist, just smack you on the back of the wrist with his fork in his left hand as a cold reminder of which hand your fork is supposed to be in. You'd say things like, well, I'm right-handed. And he'd be like, I don't care. Manners, Jesse, manners. Or uh, manners maketh the man, right? 
manners, right? And so I'd be holding it there and, and maybe one day I'd, I'd see this beautiful mashed potato on my plate and I'd sit there and I'd think to myself, well, that mashed potato looks fantastic. I can think of a really efficient way to get that mashed potato into my mouth hole. Might be to do this, right? Grab your fork. Uh, look, I've got it in the proper hand. It's in the left hand. It's all good. I'm going to scoop a little bit of that up. And... See, before that scoop got into my mouth, my dad would have leant over the table again and smacked me on the back of the wrist with his fork held properly and saying, Jesse, that is a fork, not a shovel. He'd be like, no, no, you're not supposed to eat like that. And, and so, 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 so you, you don't turn it over like this. Proper table manners is the fork is in your hand like that. And you do, who wants to see how to eat properly? Come on, America, you want to learn something today? All right. As my dad would say, if you want to be invited to have dinner with the queen, you need to know how to eat with the queen. All right. Come on. It's a real possibility that Queen Lizzie might ring you up and ask you over for dinner. <clears throat> this is how you're supposed to eat. In this hand, in this hand. Right. And then you grab that mashed potato and it goes on the back. It goes on the top of the fork just like that. Look at that. It's not a shovel, it's a fork. And then you go, well, I'd like some, okay, I want some more. And then you put it on the back there like that. Look at that, isn't that fascinating? Look at that. <laughs> on there, listen online. I know how y'all are eating in your jammies on your couch right now with nothing but a tank top and your undies on. <laughs> this, this is how you eat properly, all right? All right, now. Some of y'all, I know what you're thinking. You're like, what about the peas, Pastor Jesse? Well, same deal. You just put them on the back. Put those peas on the back. Did one go away? I'd have got in trouble for that too. Now, there is one other thing you can do. You can, let's say that's a little too complicated for you. Well, you've got some glue on your plate. Watch this. Now look, now, then I moved to America, having grown up, learned how to eat properly, and I'm, I'm at restaurants and I'm like, surrounded by barbarians. I'm like, I'm seeing people there going, get on there. I'm just like, what is wrong with these barbarians in this country? And then it gets worse. We get invited to people's houses for dinner. And, and there might be like a hot dog or a bratwurst or maybe a bit of turkey at Thanksgiving on the plate there. And they give you a fork on the wrong side, by the way. And they don't even give you a knife. Like I've beaten it. This doesn't surprise you. I couldn't believe it. I'm at someone's dinner table. There's meat and there's no knife. I'm like, I'm, how do I eat this? I don't even know. What, what, what do I like? Like, that seems to fit your culture. No, I'm just kidding, right? Like, I'm like, I'm like how do I eat this? And then, and, then, and then I watch, and I see them, they use their fork as a knife. And then they put it on their fist again. And that's how they eat. Now, and I couldn't believe it. 
absolutely blew my mind. My dad would beat my butt black and blue if I ever tried to cut my meat with my fork. He'd be like, just use a fork, not a knife. It's a fork, not a shovel, right? Y'all with me still, or have I sufficiently insulted everyone? You're like, I'm finding a new church next week. Listen, it's funny because this, this thing that, that bothered me so much about my dad growing up actually began to bother me too. The, see, it annoyed me when I was young that my dad cared so much about table manners, didn't care about the napalm cat, but cared so much about table manners. And, and, then, and then now that I'm older, I go out to restaurants and when I first moved here, I'm like, no... Nobody has any manners and it bothered me. Mind you, I learned a few weeks into living here that it's not a thing here. You don't actually hate me and you're not like, let's just eat rude around this guy just to be rude. You're like, no, when you kick King George out, you're like, take your etiquette with you. Isn't that right? Y'all were like, King George cut off one of my legs with his taxes. I'm just quoting the Patriot. And if he ever comes back, he won't want to come into my house because we don't eat like that, right? I get it. I get it. I know y'all like get out and take your etiquette with you, King George, right? But isn't it funny though that what bothered me about my dad growing up now actually I care about? You ask my kids, we'll be sitting at the table and I'll be like, other hand. And so my kids, they just, they immediately, they know, put their fork in their left hand. It's a fork, not a shovel. They'll figure it out, right? Uh, And you would think that this pet peeve that I've developed in my life would make dinner less enjoyable for for me. Um, uh, But au contraire, it actually makes dinner more enjoyable for me, for my wife, and hopefully for our kids as well. It turns eating from a calorie consumption exercise into an art into a process. It takes consuming food to having a special time together with manners and all, right? But it's funny how the things that bothered me about my dad I care about as well now. And that's how it's supposed to be with our Heavenly Father. That which He cares about, we care about also. And what we discover when we imitate our Father, when we, when we imitate God, when we're in obedience to God, we begin to find that there is joy, there is favour and there is blessing in it, in the obedience. We discover the why. God doesn't just want us to live different and do these kind of things so that we look like idiots with our fork the wrong way in America. No, 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 no. God wants us to live different, look a little different, behave a little different, and that we will discover there's great favour and great joy in obedience to God. Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Just like a little child copying the way his father eats, Be like that with God. Imitate God like a dearly loved child. And when the world sees us, we want them to to speak about God and, and we want them to speak about what God has done in our lives. When you watch me eat, you're watching how my father eats. And although we were some of the worst behaved little redneck children on the planet outside the house, at the table people would comment that our parents had taught us good table manners because we're imitating our father. When they saw me eat, they saw my father eat. The question, what does the world see when they see you eat? What does the world see when they see you walk? 
What does the world see when they see the way you live? What do they comment on? What do they talk about when they talk about you? In the scripture that I read at the start, the psalmist was writing about a time when uh, Zion's fortunes, Israel's fortunes, were restored. And it says that when the fortunes were restored, we were like people in a dream. Pinch me, is it real? They talked and they laughed and they laughed and they laughed. They were so happy that all the people, all nations could not help but notice that the Lord had done great things in their lives. All among the nations. Everybody else was declaring the Lord has done great things in their lives. And the question is, when people see your life, what do they see? What do they talk about when they see you? See, what I want is when they see us, that they recognize that, yeah, there's something different about us. He eats a little different. There's something different about the way he lives. I want them to recognize that that thing that's different about us comes from our Father. We don't care what they think about us. We don't even care if they like us. We don't even care if they affirm the way we live our lives so long as they recognize that that thing that's different about me is that I'm like my heavenly father. That when they see me, they see him. That they aren't so amazed by how good I am, but they're amazed at how good my heavenly father has been to me. Because I've been obedient to God. Because I've been following Him. Because I've given Him my life. Because I'm imitating God like a dearly loved children. See, I don't need the world to agree with the way I live my life. I don't need the world to love me. I don't need their affirmation or even their confirmation. But I do want them to see what God has done for me. Now, they may look at me and and be dumbfounded that someone who eats their meal with such an old school precision, that someone who eats their meal in such an old school way, they may be dumbfounded that that guy's actually enjoying the meal more than they are. And that's all right. That's the deal, though, isn't it? Hands up if you figured out we're not just talking about how you literally eat food. That's the deal, isn't it? Living my life my father's way gets noticed. They notice that I eat different than they do, but they also notice that I'm enjoying the meal more than they are. They notice that I don't care what they think about me, but somehow that that's actually made me happier than they are. They thought that, that living this life, that, that living this way, that, that, that avoiding those things would make me bitter and, and upset. But, but in actual reality, I'm happy. I'm not bitter. I'm hopeful. I'm not hopeless. They thought that people like us who live this life would be angry or sad or tired or bitter or broken. But they can't help but notice our joy and that the Lord has been good to me because God has restored the joy of my salvation. Amen. And so the title of my message today is The Lord Has Done Great Things for Them. You should write that down. The Lord has done great things for them. The world should not only see that you live different, talk different, walk different, and act different. They should also see that because of it, God has done great things in your life. What do your unsaved friends see when they look at you? 
Do they see that God's been good? Or do they, or, 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 or do you never get to show them that? Do you never talk about that? Or do they only ever see rage, bitterness, anger, things you're annoyed at? What do they see? What do they say? Do they only see the restriction in your life? And do you never show them the freedom that you have because of it? Do they only ever hear about what you're missing out on? Or do you show them what you've gained from this different life? Do your friends only see your sacrifice or do you let them smell that sweet smell of favor that God has poured out on your life as well? Do they only hear about what you don't agree with or do they also get to see the fruit of a life that doesn't conform to the patterns of this world? Do they only see that you eat funny or do they get to see the joy that you get from living your life God's way? Amen. Scripture says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. See, because the Israelites in that time, they were conforming to the patterns of the world. They were doing life the world's way. They were in disobedience to God. They didn't care what God thought. All they cared about was what the world thought, and it caused them pain. But then God spoke, and God said, come back to me. Walk my way. Live life my way and I will restore all that has been taken. And because of that, they stopped conforming to the patterns of the world. And they started living lives in obedience to God. And then God did great things in their lives. And they laughed and they sang and the world talked about it. The Lord has done great things for them. So over the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about three things that you can do so that people will say about you. The Lord has done great things for them. <clears throat> three things you, why three? Because that's all I had time to prepare. No, I'm just kidding. I actually found three specific things in this psalm that you need to do so people will say the Lord has done great things for you. You ready for it? All right, let's go. Number one, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. See, what this passage was talking about was what God did in their lives when they came back to Him and started living life God's way. you got to be an imitator of God. If you want to live in God's favor, you got to live life God's way. Amen. Before anyone ever going to say, the Lord has done great things for you, you're going to actually have to live differently. Before the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, they had to change the way that they live. We can't just act like the world and expect God's favor. We can't just live in constant disobedience to God and wonder why He's not pouring out His favor on our lives. We can't just sleep with hookers every night of the week and wonder why God's not blessing our marriage. At some point, God's going to be like, I cannot pour out my favor on that. Hello. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Come on, we're all called to be imitators of God, like dearly loved little children. We don't eat the way they eat. We don't talk the way they talk. We don't walk the way they walk. We don't live like the world. We don't follow them. Paul didn't say, follow me as I follow the world. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. He's saying, one, one version says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Amen. We don't imitate the world, we imitate Christ. And in my life, when I begin to notice that there is an area, and there has been and there will be again, because I'm not perfect, but in my life, when I notice there is an area that lacks God's favor, what I usually discover is that is also an area that I'm not being obedient to God. Usually. <clears throat> 
Let me play that out for you. If I don't honor God with my body, I might find myself without energy, getting sick more often. I may even have a tougher time with COVID uh, in general than if I was a better steward of what God gave me. Ouchie. Just trying to make it relevant to what's happening in the world. (laughs) Tough thing to say, but it's the truth, isn't it? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I know we live in a world that has sickness, that has pain and has trouble. And Jesus even said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So there will be trouble. Thank God he can help us overcome. Can I get an amen? I'm not saying that everyone who dies of a sickness was not honoring God. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that anyone who has cancer or a heart condition is living in sin. I myself was born with a heart condition and had heart surgery when I was 18. I don't know why. I I, I don't understand it. We live in a fallen world with sickness and disease that came as a result of the fall of man. But I am saying this. When an area of my life is out of control, when an area of my life is always and completely out of control, I can usually find an area of my life that I'm not honoring God in, usually. So I'm not saying we won't ever have sickness or pain or trouble in this world. But if there's an area of my life that is always out of control, I can almost certainly show you an area of my life that does not line up with God's word or God's ways. And I need to say, God, show me your ways. God, show me how I'm supposed to live in this area of my life because this way is not working. See, I'm not talking about moments because there will be moments of trial and affliction in lives. I'm not talking about like a momentary financial setback. I'm not talking about a temporary sickness. I'm not even talking about someone who gets cancer or passes away unexpectedly. There are things we cannot explain. But in general, if my finances are always out of control, then I most probably am not imitating my father in my finances. This is all right. Am I tithing? Am I living a modest life in accordance with my income? That means am I living within my means? I'm not saying you can't have a $180,000 car. No problem at all, right? Here's the thing though. If that $180,000 car now means you can't tithe, now you are not living within your means and it is sin. If that $180,000 car means that you see someone at a grocery store who can't afford their groceries and now you can't pay for it because you've got a $180,000 Mercedes, well now that Mercedes is sin. And you're not honoring God in your finances. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Come on. Uh, uh, Nothing wrong with that. In fact, if you can afford one of those, let me drive it. I would really enjoy that. See, good finances, it's not about being rich. It's about honoring God. And discovering that when we do, it's amazing what God does in our lives. If you're struggling with your finances, let me encourage you, go speak to a godly person who's doing well in that area and ask them to help you live different than the world and honor God in that area of your life. I've had to do that before. I encourage you to do that too. It's the same with other areas of our lives that we're not finding God's favor, right? Same with marriage. If I look at my marriage and I find that Lauren and I are in constant conflict, then you can be sure Lauren is not honoring God in her marriage. 100% sure of that. Right, Lauren? Say amen. We're a hollaback church, baby. Come on, amen. <clears throat> nope, nothing. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, but one or both of us, listen, if, if we're in constant conflict, One or both of us is not honoring God in our marriage. And we're called to honor God in our marriage. Now, does it mean you're going to burn in hell? No, that's not what I'm saying. But it could be better. 
You could sit there and make peace with this conflict all the time. Or you could be like, God, I want to do better here. God, help us. Show us the way. We want to grow. We want to get better and better so that when we're 95, our marriage is better than when we were 85 and 75 and 65. We want to keep getting better. Amen. We're called to an uncommon life with an uncommon favor. Can the world see that there's something different, something uncommon, something different about the way you live your life? See, I told you I wasn't just here to tickle you today, but to tell you the truth. You can't live like everybody else and expect to have what no one else has. Now, don't worry. I know we all have moments of lapse, failure, moments of sin in our lives. We do, right? I'm not being judgmental. We do. I do too. And I thank God that God's grace covers those moments. Amen. God's grace sustains my salvation. God's great love for us. God's great grace. It sustains my salvation even when I mess up. You're not saved by your works. You're not saved by your performance. You're not going to heaven because you earned your way there. You're saved by grace and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. But, but the Word of God shows us from the start to the finish. And the Word of God shows us very clearly in the parable of the talents even that the way that we live does absolutely affect what God can trust us with here and now. Obedience absolutely affects the way you will enjoy your life here and now. See, the Israelites lived an uncommon life, and so they experienced God's uncommon favor. Amen. Does anyone in here want uncommon favor? Give me a wave. Yeah. If the person next to you didn't, just stick them in the elbow and be like, what's wrong with you, bro? Like, why don't you want God's favor in your life, right? The other thing about grace is this, that those of us who have received God's grace should be the best at showing God's grace. And I say that to say this, if there's an area of your life that you know you're not honoring God in, an area of your life that you know you're not experiencing God's favor in, I want to encourage you to come down the front for prayer today and share that with one of our prayer warriors Because we want to pray for you and we want to see your life transformed by the power of God and obedience to God. God's got the plan. He's got the plan. He knows the way. He wants to share it with you. And if your life is not experiencing favor in an area of your life, don't walk out of this place and just keep living like that. Would you do me a favor and, uh, and come down the front? And, though, and as you humble yourself and just say, look, in my marriage or in my finances or in my health or, or, or in my mind or whatever it is that, that I'm not experiencing God's favor, they're going to pray with you. They're not going to tell me or anyone else what you said. They're just going to say, all right, I want to come and believe with you that it will get better today. Amen. It may not be immediately fixed in that moment, but in your heart and in your humility, let's let that journey towards favor begin today. Amen. Is that good, church? Come on, someone say giddy up. There we go. That's my word for 2022. Giddy up. All right. Last year was let's go. This year it's giddy up. Anyway, who wants number two? All right, we're going to have some fun with number two. Don't smell like sacrifice. Come on. Do you want people to look at your life and say the Lord has been good to them? Do you want people to say that? 
See, what we see in, in the New Testament, it, it, we talk, I think it's in Luke, um, he says, be a city up on a hill, let, let, the, let the world see your good works, your good works, that would not just be what the world calls good, but good God works. Let the, let the world see that and that then they'll glorify the Lord, kind of like they did in this psalm, right? The world saw what God had done in their lives and they all declared that God's been good, right? Do you want the world to glorify the Lord because of what He's done in your life? then you can't smell like sacrifice. Too many Christians smell like a bit of burnt flesh up on an altar. They smell like sacrifice. Look, let God smell your sacrifice. Let God know about that. But we're not called to walk around smelling like burnt flesh. God's not got a magnifying glass trying to, trying to magnify the pain in your life, trying to burn the flesh off your body. If, if he has a magnifying glass trying to magnify anything, he's trying to magnify hope, trying to magnify favor, trying to magnify joy in your life. Amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're standing before, uh, before the rulers. And they're like, you got to bow down to this statue of King Neb. And, and they're like, we won't bow down. We can't bow down. We'll never bow down. And God will save us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. And then so what they do, the rulers grab Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they, they, they drag them up into the fiery furnace. And, and they stoke it hotter. And they make it hotter and hotter. And they say, are you going to bow down? And they say, I'm not going to bow down. I'm not bowing down to culture. I'm not bowing down to the world. God is my God. And so they throw them in the fire. But what's cool is when they came out of the fire, yeah, they had made a sacrifice. But at the other end, it says they didn't even smell like smoke. Didn't even smell like smoke. Didn't smell like fire at all. Too many Christians live like Pharisees on the street corner, stinking like smoke, covering their bodies in sackcloth and ashes, trying to show the world all the obedience and the sacrifice in my life. Look, I didn't do that. I'm so tired and worn out. I'm fasting. Look how broken I am. Look what I'm doing for the Lord. I got a whip, a cat of nine tails, and I'm, I'm whipping my back. Look at the pain I'm going through for the Lord. I'm doing this. for. I don't touch that because I'm living for the Lord. And, and look at that. The ash all over my face. That's what the Pharisees did. They probably weren't even fasting. They just tried to look like it. Too many Christians live like that. And they wonder why people pass by and they're like, I don't want anything to do with that guy's God. And they're like, the Pharisees like, why don't you want Jesus? If you give your life to Jesus, your life can suck like mine. <clears throat> and they wonder why no one wants Jesus. Well, your hardcore case of RBF isn't making Christianity look so good like right now. So many Christians so serious all the time. Everything's so serious. Why so serious? I'm an Aussie. I can do that really well. Come on. Why so serious all the time? That scared some people, didn't it? Why so serious all the time? Some Christians act like the world's going to end every single day. Even though God said nobody knows the time of the hour. We're like, it's definitely today. Right? Why so obsessed with everything that's wrong in the world? Did you know that in spite of all that's going on in the world, God is still good? Do you have nothing to be thankful for? Do you have to sit there with ash all over you acting like, like it's a chore living for the Lord? Is there nothing good that you can talk about? Is there not one thing in your life worth praising God for? Is there nothing funny in the world anymore that you can laugh about? Come on, Christians. You can still laugh. You don't have to affirm the way the world lives. You don't have to agree with the world. You don't have to live like them, but you can laugh. 
You can smile. You can get rid of that RBF. Come on. You can get rid of that. You don't have to cover your face with sackcloth and ashes. You can change that resting butthead face into some resting blessed face. Yeah, I'm blessed. Come on, we got to rename RBF, resting blessed face. Can I get an amen? amen. All the blessed people said amen. amen. When you go home, do you want your kids to follow the Lord? When you go home, what do you do? Do you just talk about the sacrifice? Just talk about the obedience? We don't do that, kids. We don't do that, and we don't do that, and not that, and can you believe that the world this, and can you believe so-and-so that, and yada, yada. And do, do, you, do you only ever talk about the sacrifice, or do you let your kids taste the favor flavor that came from a life of obedience and sacrifice to God? It's not just smoke. Hallelujah. Come on. There's a favor in your life that you got to make sure that other people can taste. That the world doesn't only see the sacrifice, but they also see the favor and the goodness and the joy of the Lord on your life. The Israelites lived an uncommon life, and so they experienced an uncommon favor, and they allowed themselves to laugh and laugh and laugh, and they sang about it. Live a different life, yes. But make sure you smell like favor not flesh. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's turn that resting face into resting blessed face. This church needs to have a lot of RBF resting blessed face. Come on. Come on. Should we put that on a shirt? You'll never find more RBF than at Eternity Church. <laughs> That leads me to my last point. Are y'all ready for it? All right, this one's a good one. You ready? Don't hide that funny way you walk. The Israelites walked in the ways of the Lord. The Israelites lived different. They enjoyed and they laughed in God's favor. And they sang about it as loud as they could in the whole world heard. And they said, wow, look what God's done in Zion. When I was young, I imitated, I copied my father's walk. See, I obeyed the way he told me to eat, and I copied the way that he walked. I remember as a young man down Hogan Street in Tatura. Tatura was the town that I spent a lot of time in as a young man. Uh, we, grew, we, we lived there for a long time. And I remember uh, in Hogan Street, that's the main drag uh, across the road from Tatura Hot Bread and Bakery, there was the Commonwealth Bank. And we were walking from the Commonwealth Bank down a couple of blocks and I was just following my dad. And, and, I, and I noticed that my dad, he always stood like this. He, he always stood with one foot fairly straight and the other one, just right foot, was just always pointed out to the right, you know. And he just always stood like that. I always thought it was funny the way my dad stood. So I just started copying him and, and standing like him. Just, I want to stand like my dad. I want to imitate him. And then one day, I remember the first time I ever copied the way he walked, because I noticed he walked like that too. He just one foot straight and one foot pointing out to the right. And, and so we're in front of um, uh, the Commonwealth Bank in Tatura, and I'm just watching him. And I'm just, now, I had to stretch a little bit, because I was a little fella, and I was trying to line up my steps with his, and, you know, where he stepped. You know, y'all ever did that as a kid? Just put my foot where my dad's foot was and you know and so I'm just copying him and, and I started doing this and then every time I was with my dad I was, I was just get behind him and I'd copy the way he walked and I'd put my foot out to the right like this and, 
And then, you know, anytime I'm with him, I'm walking like that. And it wasn't long, I don't know, maybe a couple of months until I was walking like that with my dad. And, and then I was walking like this when I'm at school. And I was walking like this on my way to the, do my paper round. And I was walking like this at church. It wasn't long until I didn't even know I was doing it. And I still walk like that today. I still, I still walk, always got my right foot out. And, because, and it happened because I, I copied my dad. And I remember one day we were at Arnie Gale's house and, you know, the well-to-do people, a bit more not so redneck like the Newman family. I was at Arnie Gale's house and, and she commented and she said, man, you stand and you walk like your father. And that's because I wanted to stand and walk and talk like my father because he was my hero. Wouldn't it be great if someone looked at your life, saw how blessed you are and then said, I've noticed that people who walk the way you walk seem to live a more blessed life than people who walk with both feet straight. Wouldn't it be great if people looked at you and they said, I've noticed that people who eat with their fork in their left hand facing down like a fork, not a shovel, seem to enjoy the meal and the process a lot more than people who don't. And they ask you, why do you eat like that? Why do you walk like that? And we say, well, I walk like that because my father walked like that. And I eat like that because my father eats like that. And I know I may miss out on what the world wants to give me because of the way I walk and because of the way I eat. But I got an inheritance coming from my father that will far outweigh anything the world could ever give me. See, it's not just the favor in your life that causes people to follow Jesus and experience his favor. It's, it's not just them seeing the favor in your life. It's also the why behind the favor that causes people to follow Jesus. See, otherwise they just look at you and they're like, he's got a blessed life, cool, whatever. But when they see you walk different and that's why you have favor in your life, they'll be like, there might be something to the way you walk don't hide the reason you got favor in your life. So often after we've experienced God's favor in our lives, we begin to hide the why. We begin to hide the funny way that we walk. God honored my marriage because I honored him in my marriage. And I believe the right things about marriage. And I affirm his design for marriage. Can I tell you right now, just to throw it, make it a little hot for a second, let's get spicy for a second. Can I tell you that you can't believe the wrong things about marriage. You can't affirm things in marriage that your father would never affirm and then expect your father to bless your marriage. That's the problem with gay marriage and things like that in America. Everyone who believes it and affirms it is believing, sorry, is affirming something outside of their father's plan for marriage. And therefore God can't pour out his favor on their marriage. What other areas in your life might that be? So often, once we've experienced God's favor in our lives, we enjoy the favor, we enjoy the blessing, but then we start to hide the way we walk and we straighten that up. Just going to walk like y'all. And it's actually, it's like almost more difficult to hide it than it is, to, but we still, we want to fit in so bad. <clears throat> And we just want that favor to look like, I, I did that, I earned that, that was me. And we walk like the world again. What am I saying? I'm saying don't just live different and experience God's favor. Live different loud. Be loud about why you got that favor in your life. 
Be loud about that. And then be loud about the favor. Be loud about how you got the favor and be loud about the fact that you've got the favor. Amen. Don't just be different. Be different loud. See, too many Christians want to hide the thing that makes us different. We want to hide what we believe because the world don't believe what we believe anymore. So we're just going to pretend that we walk like them. Right? We don't want to stand out. We don't want them to notice that funny way we walk. We hide what we believe about maybe things that are controversial like abortion or gender or maybe grace. We want them to know we're grace people, but we don't go too far, right? Like we, got, we don't want them to know that I got grace for me and grace for you, but we also got grace for Harvey Weinstein, right? Like we, 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 we hide it. So we just jump on the train and mock Harvey instead of doing the grace people thing. Some people hide the favor. They act like they ain't blessed when they're clearly blessed. So all people, here's the thing. In Australia, there's a thing called tall poppy syndrome, right? You want to know what that is? It's, 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 it's awful. It's this thing, Kevin, where people, where, where there's flowers in the field and they're, they're poppies. And, and if one of the poppies get a little higher than all the other poppies, the, then the other poppies get around, they strangle it and they kill that flower. Isn't that fascinating? Flowers do that. And so this thing in Australia, we call it tall poppy syndrome, where in Australia, Aussies, if you do better than everyone else, they want to strangle you, kill you, and pull you down. It was a very Australian thing. Anyone that did better, they were like, oh, they must have cheated. Oh, look how they got there. Oh, they think they're better than us. So they just want to mock you instead of honoring you or instead of trying to figure out, well, what did you do to get there? Instead, instead of going, man, how do you walk? I want to walk like you walk because I want to get what you, I want to get where you got, Right? And, and so, and, and this tool, but what I've noticed is this tool poppy syndrome thing, it's spread to the whole world now. Like if you've done well, it's because you're crook. If you've done well, it's because you did something wrong and everybody wants to tear you down. So now what we find is we walk funny and then God blessed us, but we try to hide that favor so that people won't target us, won't mock us, won't come after us. So then all people get to see is the sacrifice. You smell like smoke and they can't taste the fruit. I was tempted to be like that. See, you know what? The last couple of years, they weren't that tough for me. Well, there was moments, definitely emotional moments and any leader in the world got <clears throat> beat up a little bit. But, you know, we've always honored God in our finances and it worked out for us okay. We took a 45% pay cut for a little bit of time there for a few months, and, but we were still okay. Here's the thing. Since the day we moved here, Lauren and I have double tithed, done 10 and another 10, gross, because we wanted to honor God and go above and beyond it. And you know what? When the hard season came, we were fine. We were fine. We took a pay cut. We were okay. It came back. God blessed us. We were all good. Listen, but there was a part of me that wanted to hide that. Part of me that didn't want anybody to know that we're doing okay. Why? Because the whole world's struggling. I didn't want people to look at me and be like, well, he's okay. What's he doing wrong? And there's a temptation to let people only see the sacrifice. But if we want them to honor God, we need to let them know that when you walk this way, God does this. So we, got, we want them to see the sacrifice. Yes, we want them to taste the fruit too. Can I get an amen? Would you all stand up with me as I get ready to figure out how to contemplate landing the plane? <clears throat> Service isn't over, so if you walk out right now, I'm taking your name. Mm-hmm. That's right. We got camera at the door. I'm, I'm just kidding. We don't. I'm just, we don't. We do. We don't. 
Y'all don't know now, do you? You're like, can I leave or not? I don't even know. No. What I'm saying is this. Don't hide what makes you different. Don't hide the sacrifice. Don't hide the funny way you walk. And don't hide the clothes that God blessed you for walking that way. Amen. Be loud with what you believe, but also be loud about what God's done because of it. Let them see the sacrifice, but make sure they can smell the favor that comes to those who are willing to walk a little bit different. There's a bunch of people who are... I'm going to go over. Can I have permission for five extra minutes today? Which really means seven. Good. Thank you. I, 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 um, I don't know if, you, if, you, if you've known me for a few years, you'll know that, um, that, that I'm a bit more bold about the funny way I walk now than I was a couple of years ago. The funny way I walk, I mean, I'm a bit bolder about the fact that I don't walk like the world. I don't believe what the world believes. I don't respond the way the world responds. Do you all know what I'm saying? Right? I don't. Now, because of that... There are people who know that. And so when they see that, the world doesn't like the way I walk. All right? So all sorts of things, you know, just, just whatever, just some crazy things in the world. And they, they don't like the way I walk. And so, but what I, what I do is there are certain people that, that I know they don't like the way I walk. They, I know they don't like what I, particularly when it can, maybe comes to Corona and things like that. And the way I'm like, now we're going to have church and we're going to welcome everybody. People with masks are welcome. People without them are welcome. People who are vaccinated are welcome. People who aren't vaccinated are welcome. You know, that's just kind of basic things that I thought was some pretty basic Christianity. <laughs> I just did, you know. Just pretty basic Christianity. Y'all welcome in church, you know. You know. The best of you and the worst of you. Y'all welcome in church, you know. And, um, but, but, but people didn't like that. And then there's other things they know that people learned what we, what we believe about marriage, what we believe about abortion, what we believe about gender. They, they learned some things because the Lord really woke me up and encouraged me to be loud and bold because people need to see the reason I'm living a blessed life. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and so I wanted to show the world this is why. So there's some people that, I don't know if they don't like me, but they don't like me. And, and there's, there's some people and they just, you know, I've had people want to argue with me in public and I'm just not really into that. I'm like, argue with me online. I'm, I'm braver there. And <clears throat> I'm just kidding. I was joking. <laughs> totally joking. It was the opposite. <laughs> and, um, but the, uh, <laughs> that's half the problem with the world in it. Right. And so, but, um, but I've just decided there's these certain people and every time I see them, I just pay for their meal <laughs> every time. And it's not just like one couple. It's like a bunch of people. I'm like, if I ever see you, I'm paying for your meal. Happened yesterday. There's one person and one of the fellow, nice guy, I like him. But, you know, there was a moment last year where he started to not like me so much because he just saw the way I'm just, this is, he walks different, you know what I mean? So I pay for their meal every single time I see them. They're like, stop doing that. I'm like, too late, I did it. You know what I mean? Like, and I keep doing Why do I do that? Why do I do that? Because this is people like, number one, the gift paves the way for the giver. That's what scripture says, right? The gift paves the way for the giver. But I don't want people just to notice I walk funny. I want them to taste the favor and the blessing that God's poured into my life because of the way that I walk. And so those people, they may know I walk different, but they can't deny it when they look at me. They're like, man, he does live like his father. He walks different, but he walks like his father. Come on. And, and God has done good things in that man. And, I, and, and they can't help but be intrigued by what God's done in my life. And then they want it. Amen. And then they want it. There are so many people that have started out hating me or hating you or hating someone else. But when they keep watching that funny way you walk, 
and they get to see that favour that God poured out on your life, they will glorify the Lord one day because you lived loud. Amen. Praise God. We're going to wrap up the service. We're going to wrap up the service. This is how you can make sure that people say about you, the Lord has done great things. Be an imitator of God. You got to live different. Come on. Don't just talk about the sacrifice. Let them smell the fruit and taste the fruit. Amen. And what was the last one? Don't hide that funny way you walk. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us in every area, God, to honor you. God, we don't just want to live a fun life. We don't just want that, God. We don't, we don't just want to fit in with the world. We don't just want to be here today and gone tomorrow. We want to have an influence on this place for your kingdom. And we want other people to see you in us. And God, we know some of the ways you have us walk, eat, talk is a little different than the world. But God, help us not to be ashamed of you. Help us not to live our lives for their affections but to live them for yours and to follow you and to honor you and to imitate you. And God, we know that as we do, you'll pour out our favor. Help us to be loud about not only the way we walk, not only the, the, not only the, the different way we live and the sacrifice, but help us to be loud about the fruit and loud about your favor and loud about your protection and loud about your healing and loud about the joy of the Lord that is our strength, Lord God. Loud about the joy of our salvation, Lord. Help us to be loud about that, God. God, and then when the times come where we're tempted to hide the way we walk or to hide the favor, God, may we care more about honoring you and leading people into a real relationship with you than we do about the world's affections. And God, for those of us in the room that are not experiencing your favor in an area of our lives, for those of us who have an area of our life that is in constant chaos, God, I pray you help us to humble ourselves and, and as your word says, to confess our sins to one another that we may be healed. Find traction. God, we know that the truth is the foundation that freedom is built upon. So I ask that you give us the courage to humble ourselves and tell a friend, maybe at the altar at church or maybe over coffee, that in this area of my life, I'm not honoring God and I need wisdom and help. Would you help me? God, help us to be believers that care more about honoring you in our lives than we do about whether people respect us so that we could find traction, live in favor, and be an influence for your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.